we think we've done a, a pretty good job of of trying to beat the drum of automated governance. So a little bit of a backstory there. Um, back in early 19, uh, 2019, uh, the director of engineering at, at Liatra at the time, Casey Lee, he demoed an early version of automated governance at DeliveryConf. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to our second episode. Um, I want to welcome Robert, welcome you, and Rock, Rob, welcome Robert Kelly of Liatro here. Uh, Robert's the VP of Technology Enablement at Liatro. I'm going to let him talk about himself, uh, but this is a really neat podcast that I think we have going on today. Um, as you know, the Investments Unlimited book talks about an automated governance system, and Robert has some very interesting insights on these types of systems and how they can be built. So um, I'm going to try to do my best to keep it quiet, and I'm just Robert, man. Tell us, uh, you know, tell us a little bit something about you. Um, let the guests know who you are. All right, real quick, uh, quick little uh, intro. Uh, Robert Kelly, VP Technology Enablement. Uh, thanks, Bill. Thanks for the intro. Good to meet you, Clarissa, as well. Nice Thank to you. meet you too. Uh, so thanks for having me today. Uh, I'm really excited about the conversation. So Liatrio uh, is a professional services firm. I've been with Liatrio for about eight years. We partner with large, complex, often heavily regulated enterprises. We help them with the cloud and modernization journey that they're on. We focus on digital value delivery. So this is uh, everything it takes to build and ship software and digital services from uh, helping teams break down the work that they're doing improving developer experience, platform engineering, continuous delivery, all the automation around securing software supply chain, all of this stuff. Uh, really passionate about everything there, DevOps, cloud enablement. So uh, the things we, we've been doing for quite some time really are just helping facilitate shipping software and, and big regulated uh, enterprise organizations are kind of our uh, our home, right? So uh, really looking to get into some of that discussion today and, and uh, see uh, see where we can go with the conversation. Perfect. So help, at the end of the day, shipping software, doing software delivery for highly regulated organizations. I think this is perfect because I remember and we talked about in a bit of our, our pre-brief today that uh, you've built automated governance systems and helped build them for clients. But yet, to a large degree, you haven't spent much of your lifetime in the auditing world or and working with a lot of auditors. Is that correct? That's right. So uh, working directly with auditors has been a little bit of a, oh, well, that's going to happen. Uh, we've I have been part of audits, but it's always been a little bit of a, hey, I'm one level removed from uh, an auditor's world. And it's always been like, okay, well... There's someone asking for some information here. You're going to prove uh, you've you've met these requirements or the compliance, and uh, and then give us some of that evidence, and we'll get back to you later. Yeah, that's usually how it is. And I had some of that experience when I was uh, managing uh, GameStop.com as a manager e-commerce. Uh, that's been about uh, ten years ago, and uh, but since then it's been it's been working on hey, how do we facilitate getting some of this 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 data going so that uh, maybe that that'd be easier, but Maybe we'll get into that conversation. Yeah, I'm excited for that one because I'm, I'm eager to see where, what, what Clarissa's questions are for this. I've, uh, oh, I've got questions. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's I what I do for a living. Be, 
good conversation of learning. Um, well, I just want to kick it off with this one big question. So as some folks who have read the book know, it talks about an automated governance system that was built here. Um, the authors told their stories in a fictional way, but from my understanding, you and Liatrio, I'm pronouncing it right, Liatrio, right? You got it, Liatrio. You and Liatrio actually had uh, had a bit of a hand in helping um, some of the system that is talked about in Investments Unlimited and helping people build these systems elsewhere. Uh, is is that correct? Yeah, that and that's that's what I think we think we've done a, a pretty good job of of trying to beat the drum of automated governance. So a little bit of a backstory there. Um, back in early 19, uh, 2019, uh, the director of engineering at, at Liatra at the time, Casey Lee, he demoed an early version of automated governance at DeliveryConf. So uh, the goal there was to show how uh, we could bring governance to uh, Kubernetes and cloud-native environments. Uh, this is something we thought was important. Uh, really, our customers were new to cloud-native or Kubernetes. There were few, if any, of our customers running Kubernetes in production at the time. And, uh, you know, really... <sighs> we wanted to show them sort of the art of, art of the possible. So at that time, we were already hev uh, heavily engaged with a large bank and uh, their digital transformation, leading dojos and, and partnering with teams to help them get better at delivery. Uh, and we shared the same demo with their leadership, which included one of the future authors of, uh, of the book, uh, Investments Unlimited, right? Um, they were obviously interested. Automated governance was becoming uh, more of a uh, I won't say a buzzword, but I think the that was being invented at the time that that uh, that phrasing or that you know sort of what that was. Uh, but uh, we had a point of view there, so I do believe that inspired uh, the bank to start their journey and and really start building that system of automated governance. Uh, since we were already engaged there, uh, folks from our team uh, moved over to help them uh, build that solution and the, the technology behind it and get moving in that direction. Yeah. So. so, Robert, you mentioned, um, you know, this was being invented. It was kind of a maybe not a buzzword yet, but it sounded like something that could become a buzzword. Um, that for me is typically a flag of asking a question, uh, you know, what problem are you trying to solve with this? You know, a lot of times we'll go to the next coolest tool or the next buzzword mm -hmm. uh, because it's the thing to do. But can you expand a little bit more on either in that particular instance or I know you've got other experiences with automated governance implementations? What problem were you or are you trying to solve with this? No, uh, absolutely. Right. Uh, we hope that there's some value behind it. Right. Um, so. Really much of that effort uh, in software delivery is manual. Uh, I think that the has been traditionally, right? So that includes all of the testing, uh, separate security scans and large enterprises. These things can be just separate activities, right? Uh, and trying to piece together sort of the proof that these things happened and attaching them to ServiceNow tickets. Anyway, there's a lot of the uh, existing processes that made uh, the delivery of software uh, in these large uh, these large organizations just slow and yeah. and just get slower over time and really wanted to make that that easier just to reduce time uh, the lead time uh, that really is ends up being extended by maybe multiple days or weeks in some cases so really trying to decrease the the lead time for these delivery teams and that's probably where we started is like making this easier. Uh, for delivery teams and, and just to get work done and maybe not specifically from, hey, we need to solve, solve this audit or compliance thing. And that just ends up being, well, something that needs to get done. Yeah. 
which I love that you said that because it should never, in my opinion, it should never start with we need to get this audit thing done or this compliance thing done because the audit things and the compliance things should be about managing risk for the organization. So the yeah. end all be all, maybe an audit finding or a compliance issue came out of an unmanaged risk and is causing these types mm -hmm. of things, but really it should anchor back to that risk. So I love that it was um, more reducing lead time for those delivery teams. Uh, and I know in Investments Unlimited, it kind of started with the MRIA from the regulators, but then as they started to peel back the layers, they understood what the risks were. So always trying to anchor back to risks. Another question, sorry, Bill, I'm just jumping right in with, with things as Robert's yeah. saying things. Um, one of the challenges that people that I talk to from highly regulated industries, and um, I've got experience in that those industries as well, is um, when we're trying to do new things and change the way that we're working, there's sometimes an apprehension internally um, thinking like, no, we can't do this because the regulators won't let us mm -hmm. or because we're in a highly, highly regulated organization. The organizations that you were working with, did you encounter any of that? And if yes, how did you how did you overcome that? So uh, absolutely, it's it's real. It's every day. Uh, I think that that's that's sort of an ongoing uh, discussion, and I don't think that you can overcome it uh, in a short amount of time. And I don't think we have over overcame the the sort of that obstacle that, that's there. It's because you've got to build trust over time, uh, and I think that's what the that's what the goal of these the solution and the approach is to really build up that that system of trust and, and building trust. Uh, and you've got to show that, and it's not going to be an overnight thing, right? And also it does, isn't something that you can just go in and change on mass across the organization. It's not something that's going to be, well, hey, we've, we've suddenly flip a switch and everything is great. Uh, so you've got to start chipping away. And, you know, some of, some of these uh, teams that look a, a certain way or deliver maybe a modern product, they may be able to have a little bit more of a, uh, an automated solution and that's hard if you say if just a portion of the organization has something you know that that looks modern or is uh, is uh, sort of this new trusted system del of delivery. Anyway, uh, stop talking about that. Ultimately, it's it's an ongoing thing and it hasn't been solved, right? So it's going to keep going. Uh, that journey is just, we're just on the journey. Yep. And I also love how you said a journey. Yeah, it is. It is. A, and it is a, a bit of a journey. And we've used other words uh, to describe <laughs> that. Right. But it, it's not easy. And, and, and it's we're, we're talking about changing the way people work. And uh, and I think that it's just going to be a little bit of an uphill battle, but we hope it, it gets easier. I think we're, we are proving out some uh, some great new ways to, to make it easier and bring everybody into the solution. Yeah. And you're not just changing the way they work, but changing the way they think as well. That's and right. Think about work. There's a little bit of hearts and minds there. Right. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I want to dig into as you're building these, and especially with some of your existing clients. So far, you're not quite working with the auditing, the internal auditing arm just yet. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, uh, again, it, it really ends up being preparation for those things. And gotcha. uh, some of the, the folks we work with today, uh, a couple of large airlines, uh, one of those, uh, one of those uh, airlines, there's a certain well, a, all of this would be say hey we've got to put this in front of the internal audit teams at some point and we're going to give them a, a dashboard and a nice way to to see these things uh, and you know see these that these controls are met and we're going to be able to have uh, proof of, of these things be met and and the hope is that that will be used 
Uh, but again, it's, it's one of these, uh, it's not audit is not every day today. Right. And I think I have some questions about, well, should it be, is it, it how should it be thought of? Right. I think that Clarissa might have some uh, opinions there. Uh, but it's not, it's a, it's a, and they're not thinking about it every day. We can think about maybe meeting some of these controls, but, uh, I, I think we, it might be ripe for change. I think so, it, I think it is. Sorry, go ahead, Bill. <laughs> no, I, I would have lead into that. It's like, I, I'll just ask the one question, put you on the spot a little bit. Why haven't you started working with, what, what, what's preventing you and your clients from working with the internal auditing from the beginning to design this? Um, well, a, a lot of times it's our stakeholders. Uh, audit's not asking us to come in and fix IT, right? Okay. IT is asking okay. us to come in and fix audit. Uh, that would be how I'd look at it, right? So it's coming from okay. a very IT-focused point of view. We're going to help here, and hopefully that's going to enable uh, the teams to be, you know, have the, the proof they need to improve audit later. Now, that's we're, we're right in the middle of this, like making this a real thing, but uh, for for that side of the equation, the right side uh, of the uh, bringing that aud auditing capability, really continuous compliance is probably what I'd be thinking of there, uh, and and helping the both sides understand. But we've got to really got to show uh, IT really first that this is possible, and then we'd be able to show, hey, look, uh, whomever is going to be sitting on audit and compliance, this is actually how this works. So I think we've we've just got to start uh, moving that ball and helping, uh, helping spread what we think, uh, to the rest of the organization. Yeah. I wonder. <laughs> Go for it. I, I think we're probably going to say, well, because like, I, I want to hear your questions to Clarissa. So I'm, I'm going to step back for a second. Cause I, I feel like there's a very interesting conversation. So Robert, you've built things, you've built things for it to help to solve an audit problem. And to a large degree, audit hasn't really been involved. And that's completely understandable from a lot of organizations. Like, I think this is going to be the normal path. Like in the book, we talk about people co-oping, but the reality is you have to plant a seed before you start to grow a tree in most of these organizations. And that seed yep. is this initial automated governance application usually driven by IT and their problem. But like, as you said there, like, how would you, and I would just like, like, if we role play this out, maybe it's your questions, like, Clarissa, Clarissa, you and Robert in this one, like, how would you then start to have a conversation? Like, say somebody's built this initial one, you've built it, and maybe you've had some of these conversations, but like, and, and I'm eager to the questions too that you want to ask Clarissa, because I have a feeling the, question, the questions you're going to ask her are probably similar to like, how do we help adopt scale and push this through the organization? But I, I could be wrong on that. So I want to pass it over to you two. Like, yeah. Go for it. Sure. Hey, Clister, did you have a question first before I ask mine? I had lots of questions, but I'm going to pause and I, I'm going to have you ask your questions first and I'll probably uh, ask back as we go. Let, let me try to frame this question. There's a little bit of a statement, so I'll, I'll try to get to this question. So I'll give a little bit of a backstory. So uh, recently, you know, hey, we're working through some of these solutions, uh, bringing, you know, bringing a little bit of the, we'll just say the architecture to the IT teams and say, this is what we're going to build and, and say, well, ultimately this has got to help audit. Uh, this has got to help us get through audit later. Can we sit down with internal audit and, and go through what that process looks like? Or can we sit with them uh, so as uh, they're working with one of the delivery teams to, uh, you know, to see, see what this actually looks like? Well, and, you know, we said, well, no, we'd, we'd really rather you not. We'd really rather you not go sit with audit. And we really, no, it, it, it turns out there's nobody actually going through an audit right now anyway. And, and it's, it's one of these things that the IT org really dances around. 
And I guess I'm asking, is, is that number one, is that normal? And is it a, uh, is, is there a better way to ask, uh, to, to meet with these folks and to, and to get that conversation started? Yeah. So I, one of my favorite questions to ask my team, um, when we, when we identify potential gaps is what's the risk. And so mm. I'd ask the same question here is what's the risk of talking to audit and bringing them in and what's the risk of not. So you, right. you said about, um, preparing for the audits, developing these dashboards and hoping that it's right for the auditors. And my, my, um, leader tells me a lot, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> so that's right. it's a, a that's right. I'm watching this movie and I'm seeing you're putting in all this work and think of it from a software development perspective. Mm -hmm. You put all this in and you develop all this software and you create all these cool features. And then you finally eventually deliver it to the client or the end user. What if it's, what if it's not right? Wouldn't it be right. better to get those feedback loops earlier? Well, we think so. Yeah. Right? Uh, and not not to cut you off, but you know we genuinely know we know that these the proofs of these controls being met is going to be valuable. Mm -hmm. uh, we we do believe that, and and we're we're sure that that's going to be helpful. But we really do want to know how exactly and, and to make it better. It's like I I think uh, we've got to have that conversation. Uh, you know we're solving the solving the wrong problems. So uh, we we get you know maybe requirements. Their third. Uh, third level is like, this is what it is. We've got to meet the controls, got to show proof, and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, but I, I do think audit should be involved if this is what the goal is to meet those, those yep. requirements, right? And you said you think it'll be valuable. Who are they going to be valuable to? They're, they're valuable to anybody who's a stakeholder in sort of the trust of the software delivery system, right? This, this uh, SDLC, or we'll call it the platform. If you want to trust that things are being built, how they're expected to be built, uh, the way we say they're supposed to be built, and, and they're secure, and they, you know, they're they're really they're verifiable. Uh, mm -hmm. We use the word attestations. We've got attestations for all the things we expected to happen uh, during the delivery system, and and I mean I can go all the things that we might be checking for. Those things need to be uh, accounted for in that. Uh, you know, to have that sort of trustable proof for that audit eventually, but really it's to reduce risk, right? So yep. we're trying to build trust to reduce so that everyone knows we really are reducing risk. Which again, I love that you said that because a lot of times people say valuable for the auditors and again, shouldn't start with what's valuable no. for the auditors. It's what's valuable for the organization and for the business. And then that in turn will be valuable for the auditors, but only if the auditors understand what is valuable to the business. Right. And so part of that is bringing them into the conversation earlier so they know here's what's most important to the organization. Here's the technology piece of that that supports that that's important. Here's the risks there. And here's how we're showing that we're managing mm -hmm. those risks appropriately. Yeah. So, so for me, it really is, uh, we're doing these things so we can accelerate software delivery mm -hmm. and just remove the, the manual toil that, that may be involved other, uh, in other ways. Right. So, uh, for us, we, I look at building trust or let's say increasing security or the, uh, reducing risk as, as a way to accelerate delivery. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's, uh, I'm hoping that's what everybody that comes to the table is, is looking, uh, looking at it the same way. I love and that. So I want to summarize what I just think I heard from both of you as you went through that uh, this conversation is 
if I'm trying to push my automated governance solution, so first off, I think a lot of people listening to this podcast, they may think, okay, these companies have automated solutions, but the reality is how integrated are they with internal audit based upon Robert, sort of your experience, they're actually not really integrated. So while we have this automated governance solution, it's sort of sitting there by itself waiting to prove its, 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 its value to the organization. Certainly while it's being, being developed, it's being, and I think there's limited interaction, because in general, there's limited interaction with audit and the dev teams. There's just limited it, interaction. So, there, it, so it, it's, it's, yeah, I think that it's not a, definitely not a daily thing. <laughs> So then it really comes down to the tech team. So the person maybe they think of themselves as like a pseudo product owner or the visionary for this automated governance system inside the organization. It is now incumbent upon them as they go when they they go down this route. It's now incumbent on them to sell and market it inside the organization to get the uh, the internal audit on board as well. So I'd have to, I've talked to some tech folks that they build these things and they don't realize that, and then it hits them. They're like, "I built this. Now I have to sell it." And is, is, is that accurate? That's sort of what I'm hearing here. And closer from I you, think, I'm hearing I think like, there's, a, there's a little bit of both. Well, let's, let's say this. They're certainly trying to do, uh, do what's needed to meet what they think is, is important. Like, hey, we've got to meet gotcha. the proof of controls. If they're talking about, hey, I've got a SOC 2 compliance uh, you know, that I've got to meet. We know those things that that, hey, we've got to be able to prove these things. We, we know we've, we've got a security policy, and we've got an information security policy, access control policies, software uh, secrets management policies, change management policies. They know that they, they can check the box or they can prove that they're following the policies by implementing this. And they know that's good. And I think where this should be going is, is that enough, Right. I think we're looking at it like, well, we're just trying to meet these specific compliance goals uh, when, and we have a list of, of, of targets or controls to make, and the system can do that. So that they, everyone knows that's good, but it's like, are we having the right conversation? Uh, and is it, uh, I, I'm certain they'll be able to use the, uh, they are, they're using yeah. these things to prove these controls are met. Uh, and that's fine, but is that? I don't think that's enough. I think that there's there's something missing here, and I think that that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Maybe that's so. I'm still you know in my journey, right? I'm in my learning journey here, and it's like I think we're doing. I know we're doing great things, and I know we're accelerating delivery here and 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 uh, reducing risk. But I feel like we're still not bringing audit to the table early enough. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things, Bill, I know you mentioned your book, and I'm going to mentioned my book. Um, it's so it's about exactly this is bringing the auditors to the table um, early and often. And one of the concepts in the book, and again, I borrowed a lot of this, the things in there from DevOps and from Agile and from Scrum is auditors and audit clients. So anybody who gets audited um, at some point or another, or could be subject to an audit, getting them to work together on, I call it a daily basis, because again, borrowing from the Agile Manifesto, but um, really not waiting for the audit to come around and just hoping right. that they don't find the things. Because when I, when I hear those things, I think about the perception of audit in that type of an organization is likely, um, which, is, which is pervasive across a lot of different organizations, is the auditors are out to get you. They're just waiting to say, gotcha, found these gaps and, you know, show all the air, all the dirty laundry. But in reality, that's, that's not internal audit's goal. That's not their job. Um, our job is to provide assurance that 
what you need to be working correctly is working correctly or telling you that, hey, you, this thing you really depend on working is not working the way you think it is. Mm -hmm. The other piece of it that a lot of people don't think about is providing advice and consulting services. So there's really two types, two primary types of activities that internal audit organizations can provide. Um, and when I think about uh, what you're talking about here in the stage that you're in now, this could be either uh, what I'm calling more real-time assurance from the auditors. Uh, these things that we're we're putting in, are they, is this managing risk in accordance with the organization's risk tolerance? And and what is was what is internal audits view on that? The mm -hmm. other piece of it is more forward-looking advice of, hey, we're thinking about doing these things. Here's the things we're thinking about automating. Internal audit, what are your thoughts on that? And if we go down this path and do this, does it seem enough? Or are we missing something? Or what haven't we thought about? Right. So yeah, definitely bringing the auditors to the table earlier is better, but that is a, a, a culture shift uh, in some organizations. Mm -hmm. The other piece of it is, if not internal audit, um, maybe a baby step, because I think we talked about earlier, um, and maybe it was in our, our pre-call, was you can't just have like these sweeping changes and like, here, we're, we're doing we're doing all this and doing it everywhere. It's a journey. It's a mindset change. It is a, a way of a way of thinking and a way of working. Right. Um, what about risk management? They think about um, the three lines model, and you've got your first line uh, in the organization. It's management that owns the risk. They perform the controls risk management, setting all those policies. You mentioned the change management policy, the information security policy, all of those risk management uh, is typically setting those policies and setting the control requirements or guidelines on here's how you should be managing this risk. Mm -hmm. uh, and then internal audits, that independent assurance. So if they're not ready to bring in internal audit, it's still push for that, but I'm a little biased there. Uh, risk management would also be a great partner to provide that somewhat um, not quite as independent and objective lens, but still more independent and objective than the individual, the developers that are doing that work. Yeah, and we've got uh, risk management and uh, usually the security organization are heavily involved in the work we're doing. Uh, and uh, we, it, you know, we trust that they're giving us those requirements and we're trying to meet those. Yep. They're usually pretty heavily involved and we're usually, uh, you know, bringing those folks in earlier. Uh, so, we fortunately have that, but I still think, you know, the, the audit folks, the, the dev teams, they don't want to talk to the audit group. <laughs> so that's just, and I think that's where we're at. We're kind of at that point where it's, it's just time to change that conversation. And I wonder if the conversation is you know, some, sometimes um, it's a little intimidating to bring the auditors in when you're talking business. Um, you know, there's that, that fear that, you know, we apparently are incredibly frightening and scary. Um, and something that I think, starts to turn the relationship in a, in a positive way is taking the business um, lens off of it. Eventually we're going to get there because we do need to talk shop, but coffee, number one, I love coffee. Uh, number two, it's really, really disarming. So, mm -hmm. Hey, let's just grab coffee yep. and just start building that relationship. Because again, you don't want to show your entire house to a stranger, but your best friend, yeah, they can see everything. They're not, you know, it's fine. So starting to build that relationship to show that the auditors are people and show the auditors that the developers care about doing a good job too. It's kind of a two-sided thing. So definitely start the conversation and maybe start with something that's a little less, um, less pressure. Absolutely. Great advice. Thank you. Well, let me ask Krista, like, 
Robert may, may have done something right. Like you talk about some of this coffee stuff. Like if Robert to go to go to some of those clients tomorrow, I mean, you just talked about coffee, but like, what would be something he could actively do to bring the technologists and internal audit together? I mean, you could talk about coffee and talk about disarming the business, and and Robert I'd like to hear some of your thoughts in here too. But like, you know, as people are listening, they're probably like, okay, coffee's great, but like, what am I going to talk around coffee? And we're not talking about business, and we're not talking about tech because the internal auditors are most likely not. Not 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 steeped in some of the technology that the the developers are like. What conversation do they have? What do they have uh, in common? Do, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and I and I, I want to answer that, but I also want to go back, and I think said it would be a good segue. Robert, you mentioned um, trying to solve an audit problem. I think was was something that you that you mentioned. I, um, I probably said that. That was probably a bad thing to say. Uh, but to fix the audit or, you know, something that there's a problem or a challenge with audit and there's prepare. a thing to be solved to repair. It's okay. Prepare, prepare for the audit. Yeah. Okay. Prepare for audit is, is usually what that I would say is, is, uh, is one of the goals. Yeah, absolutely. Totally fair. Um, and Bill, to your point, feedback loops. I know these are, these, you know, we say that a lot in a lot of things, but bring your auditors into feedback loops and auditors should be bringing, you know, here's my call to the auditors of, of all the organizations, bring your clients into feedback loops too. So if what they can talk about is, Hey, the last time that we were audited, here's some things mm -hmm. that might, might be better. Or, Hey, I've, um, here's an article or a podcast episode that uh, I found incredibly interesting. Let's, let's talk about that. Uh, I also love the idea of uh, sharing, because I love to read um, books, so I would say uh, Investments Unlimited is a, is a great uh, starting yeah. point because it is, it's a fun read. I think yeah. it's fun. I'm a, a little That's bit right. nerdy too, though. <laughs> um, but just talking about and, and creating that we're all humans and we're all in this together. So finding some sort of common ground um, and being okay with them. Like I asked the, I don't have a background in technology. Um, I've been in my role auditing technology for five years, but before that I had no experience with technology. So I'm, I mean, even, even reading these books, I'm like, okay, I got to Google what this is. And I don't know what that is, or I don't know what they're saying. And somebody said S bomb the other day. And I'm like, Oh, I've heard of that, but I actually have no idea what it is or why I would use it. So hmm. you, while there might, another thing that you both had, both teams would have in common is Bill free to answer your question is, a lack of perspective on why they're the other team is doing what they're doing and the expertise that each of them bring. So I would be talking to my clients, tell me about this automated governance that you're doing. Like what problem are you trying to solve and how are you doing that? And how is that even possible? And they, the, the clients would be asking me, well, do you have a checklist that you're looking at when you audit? Gosh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. But what kind of keeps you up at night, Clarissa, as an auditor, when you're thinking about automated governance and these changes that we're making? So there's, it might seem like two completely different worlds, but uh, both work. They both work for the same organization, so they're common goals and a lot of things to talk about. It's funny as I asked that question, I realized I was setting myself up to answer that question, and I didn't realize it. This is where governance engineering comes in because you're talking about that. What I'm hearing here, like the idea of the governance engineering taking a software engineering approach to solve governance problems. And its roots in SRE is the idea of having a specific team that can cross that domain and technical boundary that focuses on this. Um, Robert, as you're doing some of these automated governance implementations, I'll use the term governance engineering team. But do you have you been have you been creating or has as you've left these solutions have things been created like 
small governance engineering teams where it becomes this small team's responsibility to uh, not just enhance, I mean, people always talk about enhancing the software, but to constantly be uh, working with risk and since you talk about you mainly work at risk and security, constantly working risk and security to keep the uh, the, the governance solution up to date. It, it, are you seeing that? I I think it's well, it's really an ongoing discussion, and we we probably would say you know we've got this is one of the platforms in, in looking at it from maybe a platform engineering or platform perspective. Like governments is one of the core capabilities of the platform, so we think that there there should be a team. Uh, who is making sure that this piece of your of our platform, and if there's automation and there's engineering around it, that they're they're treating it like a product, and that means we're we've got the requirements from security com compliance, risk risk management, uh, and we're making that available as a service uh, to our you know to our teams. And we you know I think that we think that that can be on a, a team on its own. Uh, to make sure that it, you know, because there's generally a lot of this that's got to be extended to a lot of the internal customers and delivery teams. Uh, where it's where it's kind of born is is there's usually a, well it might be a, called a DevOps team or another the another platform team, and usually end up managing the larger platform. And this is just one of their jobs. But I think it's slowly becoming something that uh, needs certainly its own, own own attention. We think that there's uh, there's enough work there, uh, policy as code, and the, and to be able to codify all of these these policies these policies, excuse me, uh, and staying on top of it, uh, really just uh, I think that there's enough demand there to, to to warrant really honing in on that, keeping that that team uh, uh, functioning as a product team. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. I want to get back to you and you guys' questions to each other because this is really interesting watching you guys listening to it. So, Robert, I've got a question for you. Uh, you mentioned, and these are my words, not your words, uh, but bringing the auditors in early and often as a, you know, kind of a question of can we do this and you think we should be doing this. I agree with you. I think you should be doing it. Um, in addition to that, if you had a magic wand, how would you use that? What would the what would the perfect or ideal audit experience look like? with regards to automated governance? Let me, maybe uh, uh, this is a long-winded question I have. Maybe I'm, I'm going to ask a question or maybe uh, have a statement that, that should be a question. Uh, so um, should there be, should it be looked at as, as audit? And it's, or should we be looking at it as, as that sort of continuous compliance story? And, and audit makes sure that we're not, out of compliance, or I, I guess that's what I'm asking. What should it be? Uh, you know, how again? Because we're talking about maybe if we look at it as an audit, it's always been this eventual consistency model where the team is is eventually going to go through an audit. Um, maybe that's that's a question. Is it should it be that way? Uh, what should it look like? Uh, for, you know, for a team and, and ultimately, because it's going to look differently in different organizations. And I imagine the internal audit is not a, an incredible, always an incredibly large organization to be able to interface with hundreds of development teams. So I'm really looking for this uh, to be something that scales just as mm -hmm. uh, to help uh, scale with the rest of the, you know, development organization as well. You got it. And the way we have historically done audits is we come up with our plan for the next 12 months of what we're going to look at because um, nothing ever changes in, in 12 months ever. Uh, so that totally works today. Um, <laughs> joking. So we used to come up with our plan for the entire year and then 
as the time would hit, okay, now we've got this audit that we're going to do and we would do sample testing and a lot of manual testing and a lot of the, kind of the problems you were trying to solve with uh, automated governance, we experienced that, but with auditing. So maybe a different scale, but a lot of manual things, a lot of sample testing and where do we get the evidence from, uh, sending spreadsheets to our clients, fill this out. We think we're getting the right evidence, probably not the right evidence. Um, that's how we, we've historically done things. Uh, and that probably worked when there weren't as many changes or there weren't as many, you know, when we'd had these big bang changes to systems instead right. of small incremental changes. Um, and we as auditors need to modify our approach to be scalable as well. So one of the, um, one of the, I don't want to say a buzzword. I think it started as a buzzword, but it's getting some traction and we're really having to turn it into a reality is continuous auditing um, and continuous mm -hmm. auditing. Is not necessarily, you know, everyone defines it differently. It doesn't necessarily mean need to be like absolute continuous. And as soon as a change goes, that doesn't comply with policy, we're flagged, you know, it could be periodic, but more so more frequently than once every five years or four years or two years or however long that, right. that requirement is. So as organizations move to more of this continuous compliance model, uh, and that continuous compliance is providing assurance to the key stakeholders that what they need to have happen is happening and the policies that they need to comply with, they're complying with or they're not. And they're identifying it sooner or preventing things from going in into production that don't comply. So that would be more the continuous compliance and audit should be shifting to see how can they do some period periodic auditing of that right. to get comfort that. Um, and I'm going to use these, these words, words incorrectly, so bear with me, but whatever's put in place for automated governance, is it set up appropriately? So is it looking at the right policies that, that should be set there, or is it right. enforcing the right policies? And how do mm -hmm. they, how do you make sure that when a policy changes, so the change management policy changes to new requirements, how is the organization making sure that automated governance reflects that? Right. Um, and then as an auditor wanting to understand how do you make sure that um, it's doing like, so it's designed to do that, but is it actually doing what it's supposed to do? Is it rejecting things that it's supposed to reject and passing things that it's supposed to pass and then getting comfort with that and then having more real time assurance because you'd probably want to know now rather than five years from now, whether this is set up appropriately and working appropriately, um, you're going to want to know in, in real time. So I definitely think that as a, and it's not just me, this is where the profession is going. Um, we're just trying to figure out how do we do this in a sustainable fashion um, to provide that more real time and continuous assurance to our stakeholders. Oh, awesome. I, I, I love that. I think that's, that's where it's, it's got to go. You mentioned just being sort of this this continual model of continual audit continuous audit mm -hmm. and uh just really being being the stakeholders uh and sort of the first party stakeholders as opposed to from my you know my experience has been okay there's an audit you've got requirements and they've passed along maybe two two different groups uh so if we bring folks from from audit in as sort of first party stakeholders of the system uh, of your delivery system and make sure that everybody understands well this is actually what's happening I think mm -hmm. it's going to improve it, and that way we won't be trying to solve the wrong problems. I'm not saying we are, but I think I think we're we're solving a but lot of the right know. problems. You want to know? You want to know and say <laughs> internal yeah. audit, you know, is that's right, is on board with this, and not. I, I want to I want to be clear that internal audit doesn't make the requirements, so it's not like we say we have we're hiding over here saying 
I have all the answers to the test. It's through questions to understand what what policies have a tolerance for some things passing through and what have zero tolerance and what types of software or types of changes need to follow this versus don't need to. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not an audit call to make, but it's really understanding, you know, what are the organization's requirements? Uh, and then there's also no stamp of approval that internal audit has either. You know, a lot of times people, people sure. will say like, we want audit stamp of approval on that. I'm like, oh man, they didn't issue me one of those. I, I don't, I don't have one. Um, I can provide you assurance. I can provide you advice, but I, I can't say this is 100% good because that's that's not our role. Excellent. I would, I would comment on one thing you're saying here. I'm looking at something here. So, Robert, Clarissa. I think we should get rid of the word continuous compliance. I think it's it, it's 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 misleading. First off, mm -hmm. to be compliant is a state, right? It's an outcome. It describes something. Really, what you're talking about, and this is this is I'll always talk about this probably in every episode, Clarissa. Assurance versus insurance. If you think about auditing, and Robert, you think about the automated governance. What it's doing is it's automating the assurance process. Sure. And I was on a podcast just yesterday with Bright Talk, um, and was speaking with. Um, Helen on the Value Stream Consortium, and defects. You know what's funny? Let's get rid of the buzzwords. Policy is code. Uh, compliance is code. Continuous compliance is talk about what it is. It's real-time assurance and treating, a, um, treating these compliance expectations as a defect. And so if you start to look at it from that perspective, and I think this is probably, this is a change on, it's a slight change on verbiage, but I think it's a, how many people in the organization look at not being compliant as being a defect? They could be like, my system works, but I, for some reason, I don't meet this control. Because I don't meet the control, it means my system's defective, regardless of if a customer can use it or not. Is I think that there is a, as you start thinking about automating the governance, and it comes down to assurance. And I think assurance is big because you talk about the three lines of defense, like configure, configuration management is to ensure. Like that's things you can do at the first line. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing with automated governance is on the second line is you're providing assurances to the organization that the org is doing what they're doing, that they're not drifting from their the, the, the expectations, and if they do drift, that they have some you know re some explainable, reasonable reason to, to yeah. do it. Um, so I think that's like as, as I'm letting you guys go through this, I feel like there's a I don't want to be pedantic about the words, but recently I've been really evaluating the words because like I looked at where the continuous compliance and policies code come from. Yeah, a lot I, of this is just driven by vendors, sure. and a lot we of don't need the words. Yeah. What we need is what we need is software that's we need good software. We need these we need to meet uh I, I also don't want to use this the wrong word. We need to meet the contract if we uh that we're making. Like is this yeah. is the compliance a contract or is the policy a contract? Yeah. Are the developers looking at it like, hey, you you've entered into this agreement to build build this thing that looks this way and, and you know and we you know, free of defects and free of uh security vulnerabilities and all these things. Really that's what we're doing, right? So we need to make sure that we're living within the, you know, sort of the, the boundaries of that agreement. And I think that's what this is. And it's an assurance that that's happening. And I, I also think, too, when we think about it just from a compliance perspective, I think we can we often lose sight of other risks. So those policies are put in place as a bare minimum, typically from a uh, security perspective and for mm -hmm. some operational risks. But if you think about at its base form, we want to get software to end users so they can do what they need to do with it. Uh, we also want to make sure that it doesn't go down or people don't steal data or whatever other like vulnerabilities and, and other things breaking. But you also have risks that is the item going to do what we want it to do? So is this app going to right. 
crash when the um, when the clients click on it, or is it going to take them to the wrong place? So like, I, I think yes, the con- the compliance piece of it is kind of table stakes and that baseline, and maybe it's a if we can automate all of those table stakes, then we can focus on some of these other risks. But I just it's super important not to forget about other risks, or maybe we can automate some of those other risks too. But when we think about it just from a compliance perspective, it sounds very we start to think of very check the box. And not thinking through what are we trying to accomplish, what could get in the way of us accomplishing that, and how are we going to manage that risk of things going wrong is just a thought that I'm having through this conversation. I like that. Like It it comes down to the assurance instead of compliance. Assurance is broader. Let's assure that what we're doing is meeting these sets of expectations. Robert, you call it a contract, and I think to the degree people have to be explicit. Like The thing about governance, you have to state what you're doing, and then you basically validate you're continuously doing what you're supposed to be doing. A lot of people just don't state what they're doing in a clear, communicable way. Um, With that being said, we are getting close to time. So um, I like to get some 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 interesting lessons learned. Three things you could probably give the that not probably three things you can give the audience if you learned something today. Something you learned. Um, I want Robert to. I want to end on Robert. So Clarissa, what are three things that, based on this conversation you've heard today between yours and Robert's conversation, that you could offer the uh, the listeners and uh, three takeaways? Three things that I learned. Uh, number one, this automated governance is. Awesome. I love that there are real use cases out there that it's um, and it's like, you know, there's use cases out there, but actually to talk to somebody who has had experience in multiple different industries, um, even in the regulated industry. So that was something that was um, kind of a surprise to me of this is successful, not just from a I didn't think it wouldn't be. I didn't think it would not be successful from an actual implementation perspective, but from the mindset perspective, just from the, we're a regulated industry, it's really tough to do things. Usually the mindset is we can't do that rather than how can we do this and still. So that was, um, that was really awesome to learn. Uh, The other piece of it is there are individuals that do want to bring audit in earlier. uh, And I, I want you to be empowered to be able to do that because you're spot on with let's have that conversation sooner rather than later. Um, and then the other piece, um, not necessarily that I learned, uh, but just the reinforcement, which is kind of heartbreaking for me as an auditor of the uh, mindset that is still out there. We don't want to bring the auditors in and um, no, 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 let's just, let's just hope that they don't come. Those are my words, not your words, but that that is still a, a perception that I'm, really want and that's part of what i want control freaks to do as well is to try to dash that perception righty awesome thanks robert how about you man let's close it out with you uh well, first uh no thanks again for uh really having this conversation i, I have learned learned a lot and really uh, i'm just excited to have this, this conversation it gets me thinking a, a, about a lot of things that i uh just you know really want to dive deeper into so uh a few of those things that uh that we talked about one of, one of the first things that comes to mind is really is that audit is, is way more human that, than we look at it uh, as right. It's this way way more uh, of a of a something that ought to be human interaction and, and there ought to be there ought to be an understanding rather than this you know there like you said uh, it's not just some check boxes uh, at, at the end of uh, at the end of the day and I, I I do think that we we do need to bring this together I think uh, with with the the dev teams. I think you really validated that more than I was uh, anticipating is that there, there just really does need to be more of that conversation. 
uh, sooner. Um, I think, uh, and Bill, you, you mentioned uh, with uh, sort of the, the idea of, of governance and engineering and, and making sure that this is a sort of a formalized uh, solution, you know, in the enterprise, it really puts the, the, the importance or the emphasis back on, on uh, something that it's not just an afterthought, right? We need to be put this part of our day-to-day, -day, uh, our day-to-day -day life just to make sure that we're uh, holding our, our end of the bargain for that, that assurance piece. Like this is, hey, this is how we prove that we're, we're doing the right thing and everybody, and everybody can trust it. So those are really the, the larger things that I, that I uh, kind of took away from the conversation. And, and that, that really ultimately this is uh, the last thing is because you have this, this uh, platform to talk about it, that this stuff is, is, uh, is really important that others are, are really interested in it too. So uh, I think that that's another thing I took away is that we just need to keep this conversation moving and uh, just love to be part of it. Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Of course, thanks again for the great questions. And like, uh, Robert, one last thing. Um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, contact you, ask you some questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Is it LinkedIn? How would ping sure. you on Twitter? LinkedIn? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn's probably the best. Uh, Robert Kelly, DFW, and uh, uh, Robert at Liatrio.com. You can get me on uh, LinkedIn all day. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, that being said, We'll try this again, although we haven't rehearsed it, right? Every time, be a freak. Not a foe. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>